0: So, we've been practicing now for a few days. And it's a weird kind of practice that we're doing. And It requires a a, a weird kind of effort, an unusual uh, kind of effort. So tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about this kind of effort that it takes to be here. kind of paradoxical. Because uh, we are here. Right, is anybody not here? <laughs> and yet we're trying so hard to get here. I, I find that interesting. What's the what's the distance between here and here? How come it feels like we're doing so much travelling? Does it feel like that to anybody? Like you're bopping back and forth between like the past and the future and the present sometimes and various different futures and a whole variety of pasts, a whole bunch of different incarnations that you've had and maybe will have. Oh, it's a lot of traveling. You can feel, you almost get motion sickness. And yet it's all happening here right here i find that very fascinating we're actually we don't we're not going anywhere we never go anywhere There's a a poem uh from uh, from Ryokan, who was a thirteenth century uh Zen uh, Japanese m- Zen uh monk, hermit, wanderer, uh, wild man famous uh, in Japan. This poem was like this, huh? Buddha is your mind and the way goes nowhere. If you point your cart north when you wanna go south, how will you arrive? Buddha is your mind and the way goes nowhere. If you point your cart north when you wanna go south, How will you arrive? So... Our conventional mode, right, is to get somewhere, to become something. We spend a lot of time doing that. Elementary school, middle school, high school, maybe working, maybe graduate school, then... On to something else, onward and upward. Always on to the next thing. There lies more, better. There lies satisfaction, happiness. There lies fulfillment. There lies. The true me. The me I've always longed to be. The me I really hope to become and I'm afraid I won't. Always in the future. Always just ahead a little bit. Maybe just a little bit, maybe a lot. Always leaning forward, always not quite there. Just a little more. That requires a certain kind of effort, right? Getting somewhere requires effort. We do that even in meditating. Anybody doing that? I just need to get a little more concentrated. I just need to get a little deeper. Or a lot deeper. I just need to focus a little more. If I just focus. Or I'm sure by day five, something's going to (laughs) happen. You know? It better. Because then I'll have to, if it doesn't, how many days are we here? Anyway, a bunch of days. If it doesn't happen by then, I'll really have to work hard. Make sure I get something before we leave. (laughs) Because otherwise, yeah, I'll be disappointed. And uh, you can just notice that you're meditating and just just a little more effort. We're so good at that, right? We're really well-trained. Effort makers. That's our conditioning. That's our society. Try. Even like focus. We have a way of focusing in our culture. It's like, if somebody says focus, like when the teacher in school says focus, and you want the teacher to know that you're focusing, you go like this. (laughs) Then they don't call on you because, like, they know you're really, you're working, you're doing your job. Focus. It's like tense. Anybody ever feel like that while you're meditating? It's so hard. We're cultivating something so different. It's so different. It's like, it's just so different. It's hard to even, like, conceive of. So, we bring this effort into our practicing, and and of course we do, and it's the way we do things. But it's tiring, and it's disappointing, because we're trying to get certain things to happen, and it just doesn't happen that way somehow. Is anybody's mind, like, obeying your wish, your wishes? Is it, like, doing what you want it to do? Mine doesn't obey orders. I'm not in charge of, like, the uh, script. Or the, yes, the curriculum that presents itself. I don't, I don't get to decide. So it's almost like uh, anti-American. It's almost un-American to like not lean into the next moment. <laughs> I'm kind of making a joke. <laughs> I'm not trying to... Yeah. It's like we lean in. You know, We do, that's what we do. The next best thing, we do that. And so meditation is like really... You know, it's like, it's so frustrating when we approach it that way because we just wear ourselves down. Does anybody notice this? I remember my first retreat. This is the way it felt to me, and my second one. <laughs> it's like, I'd work and work and work until things got to some place where I felt like, okay, there's like some stillness. And then it would all fall apart. Or, I'd work and work and work and work and work and work work, until I was such a bundle of frustration and tension that everything would fall apart, and then there'd be peace. For like five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd start building again. Building concentration. connect connecting one breath to the next, two breaths, building, 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 until it would get really tense. And at a certain point, it would all collapse, and there'd be peace. And then building, building. It happened like that a lot. I was like a slow case, you know? I think that's a very useful process, actually, because what it does is it wears us down it wears down this energy of building, becoming, making, creating. You know, that tension of it's like a house of cards, you know? If I just add a little more concentration, a little more relaxation, and then I boop, 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 and then it falls apart, and then there's just. What a relief. So that wears down this energy of becoming, yeah? having to become. And we start to get a little taste. I noticed it's like, how come the peace is after the collapse? That's weird. I didn't even understand it intellectually, but I could feel it as true. That somehow the peace was in the non-building up. It was in the... I don't know. It's not even letting go. Because my letting go was part of the building up. I must let go. They say to let go, accept it, accept it. You know? <laughs> like as an act of will. That's, maybe that's why I was a hard case. Yeah? You take all these Buddhist concepts and you like, do them. You know? But it kind of doesn't work that way. So luckily the practice is set up so that you don't succeed. <laughs> if it really is working, you won't succeed. Yeah. And you start to fall back into just being. Yeah? Cuz we're always just being. And it 's just an interesting thing where we 're not building, and then of course, the mind says, "I will not build, I will be you know it doesn 't work that way either, so the building's like a part of it you know you wear yourself down like that, you know so it 's like over time as you do more and more retreats it 's not that you you know necessarily your mind obeys you more, but you you kind of like i mean it does too, but It's like you don't have that expectation of what's supposed to happen. And then it's it's like peaceful. It's this weird thing. It's peaceful. And presence. Because we are presence. It's just that we're always moving away from our own presence. We're like pointing in the wrong direction, like the poem said. Or another metaphor that sometimes uses: you're standing in front of the target, shooting your arrows away from it. You're you are the target, but you're shooting your arrows. Pew! Yeah? Pew! <laughs> is anybody shooting arrows in like a lot of directions? Pew! But like this is <laughs> this is the target. So, so yeah, we start to sort of realize: oh, it's, I'm here. I'm here. Actually, everything is here. Yeah? As we start to just settle into being, as we get tired of building and collapsing more and more, somehow we just start to be here a little more. It's just natural because we get tired of, you know, attempting the impossible. And we just surrender to being here. Oh, so then we're here a little while. And when we're here a little while, we realize, oh, everything's here, and this is where practice is happening in the realm of the here. It's always here, so it's just ex- be interesting to explore what it is to just be with one breath without thinking of a second one. What if you let go of the? Fu- what if? What if it wasn't? What if there wasn't a future? There isn't. Experientially, there is no future. There are just thoughts arising in the present. Thoughts about a future. Mm. And then there's an image. That's the future. It's right here. Mm. It's true. Anybody notice that? It feels like the future's out ahead of us feels like the past is behind us but experientially is just this and there's thoughts of the future and thoughts of the past memories and as the mind gets quieter we can start to see this ooh everything's happening here the future thought is right here the fantasy future the uh nightmare future all here Just the mind trying to make sense out of life and be prepared. Often, the future that we see is uh, conditioned on the particular experience we're having in the present. You're feeling a little bit of peace, and you have, in your meditation, and you have a very promising future. As a meditator, yeah? the next retreat is already being planned, right? those teachers aren't doing anything that complicated. I'll be doing that soon I'll be up there actually you know they're pretty mediocre i'll be I'll, I'll do it right though you know I'll be deeper and more awake you know or maybe I'll be a, a, a hermit and I'll just happily meditate in a mountain cave somewhere and send love to all beings and heal the world from a distance, a peaceful, (laughs) safe... Oh yeah, here I am. (laughs) Conditioned by a moment of feeling, right? Or you're meditating and your mind's just all over the place, it's just not uh, behaving... And you look around, and everybody else is peacefully meditating. You're not supposed to look around, but you do. How's how's everybody else doing? (laughs) Of course, you can look around. There's no rule against it. And then, but you're all over the place, and and then it's like I should just leave. I should just pack it in. You know, this is uh, I can't do it. I I don't belong here. Yeah. and all of a sudden, the whole series of memories arise of all the things you failed at. And there have been a few. And all the times you weren't quite good enough. Boop, 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 boop. And then the future arises too. And it's very different than your Dalai Lama future. You know? It's uh, not nice doesn 't include spirituality, you know it might include you know destitute and alone <laughs> that 's just where mine goes i don 't know, <laughs> yeah, destitute and alone, wow it's just good to see this the condition of the moment we build the future, we build the past, and we marshal good evidence in in either case. But as we sustain attention in the present, as we reside in the present, we start to see this much more clearly. Yeah, you know, we start to see moment to moment how the future is created, how, how a sense of identity is created in the moment. That's how we create a sense of me. This is who I am as like a little thing, you know? And we have many, many identities in the course of a day right in the course of an hour in the course of a few minutes the beautiful thing about being in the sustaining attention in the present throughout the word sustaining about being present is we get to see this hmm? uh you know some people in the interviews are reporting you know they i I can't just observe what's happening i kind of get pulled into it and then i go into this i go down a series of steps into these like dark places or weird places, or, you know, that happens. We have this idea, no, I should just be observing it from this detached mountaintop. No. Be aware in this process. This is how we learn about how uh, our mind shapes our sense of reality from moment to moment. Watch your mind proliferate and watch where it goes. Be in it. A lot of time, you won't have a choice, so you might as well be here. It's all happening right here. I'm great at meditating. I suck at it. I'm a very noble person, because I love everybody here. I feel this boundless loving-kindness. You know, everybody in here, I hate everybody here. These bunch of zombies walking around. (laughs) You know, pseudo-spiritual whatever. You know, everybody trying so hard, you know, these goody-two-shoes. <laughs> we don't notice. It changes, like, every not long. But when we're in each one, it feels just like reality. Like, this is just the way it is. You know, these people suck. <laughs> you know, five minutes ago, they were all Buddhas. Buddhas but I don't really, I'm not in touch with that right now. No, this is just the way it is. As we see this more and more, this is seeing impermanence. Did the Buddha say something about impermanence? Yeah, I think so. Impermanence, yeah, impermanence is the changing nature of our experience from moment to moment. As we see this, it's harder to believe in it so ultimately. I mean, that's why we can laugh about it, because it's, I mean, if it wasn't so painful, it's really funny, and it's really painful. <laughs> it's, the para- it's the both, you know, the paradox. Uh, it's good to see. This is called insight. Right? We think, no, no, the retreat would be going well if I just was peacefully observing everything, you know, from a distance, detached. That's, but that's not that useful. You know, you, you're experiencing Reality as Pascal was talking about. This is the way the mind operates. So we're kind of getting wise to it. Uh, Interest. Once you see that it's the way we are thinking and orienting that, that shapes our reality and our sense of self and our sense of the world from moment to moment, I think hopefully we get interested in what's happening here. Yeah. That interest is very useful as a way of uh, staying present. Interest, I find, a lot more conducive than will. I should be present. Yeah, When we're interested, it's it's like, actually, interest, even without paying attention to the breathing, if you're interested in your own mind, sometimes that's enough to just sustain attention here and to be able to watch the mind. Uh, do its thing interest you know? if i told you that like somebody had put you know there was like a little ent- No, i don't want to even say this out loud <laughs> i don't want to freak you out you know you're so- okay i'll say it anyway <laughs> this is not true sort of but if i was to say somebody there's an entity in your head that's controlling you all the time would you like be at all interested in that there's a little entity in you that's like deciding what you feel and think and who you think you are and how the world is. Would you be like, oh, okay. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, wait, what? I'm going to check this out. Well, it's kind of true. This mind is like, oh. So we look, you know. But we look right here in the present. So it's like this effort we're always making is like takes us away from the present. It takes us into away from ourselves. It's interesting. And so that's kind of extra effort. So the kind of effort we make in meditation, it's unusual. It's the effort to just like, be here for a, like a, a half of a second. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So and then you might get pulled off into a thought realm. Yeah. Future and it's like, "Oh." And then you realize it, right? So what do we do when we're in our conventional mode? Get back to the breath. Stop it. Come back. Like those dog owners who you who you hate. Who have their dogs and when the dog is interested in something they go you know I always feel so bad for those dogs you know they're like jerked back all the time just that lively little doggy energy and so they're interested and kind of exuberant and it, you know these grumpy people who haven't had their coffee in the morning you know they're like Argh! I'm not having any fun you can't have any fun <laughs> so, and we do that with our own mind and meditation. is like, get back, bad dog. You know? <laughs> so, but that's the dog gets depressed when that happens. Enough. The same happens to us. It's depressing then. It's not very, that, all that liveliness gets kind of shut down. So when you notice your mind has gone off, can you notice what it's doing? Right? Don't come back. Don't, don't, that is back, that's here. What's happening in your mind? Take a look around. Whoa, here I am in the future. If you teleported in the future, you'd be interested in that, you'd be like, wow, look. So here I am in the future. Take a look around that mind state for a moment. That's mindfulness. Ooh, yeah, there's me, you know, succeeding or failing, whatever it is, take a look around. And then actually so we'll give instructions on thinking tomorrow I'm just and kind of skipping ahead a little but take a look so that's awareness that's mindfulness you're practicing you don't have to come back you're always back there's no back there's just here whatever you're aware of is happening here so you're aware of this and then you might reconnect with your breathing too just to help you steady yeah stable stabilize seeing seeing is this, this image yeah What we're cultivating is is just mindfulness of what's happening right now all the time. Mindfulness of, or you could say mindfulness with. Mindfulness with this. Hmm. Uh, So from a methodological standpoint, this is much more useful than thinking about You know, then like deciding where your meditation is supposed to go. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to quote the Buddha. I got my back up here. (laughs) This is, I mean, I don't know if the Buddha really said this. This was written down after a long time, but people think it was pretty close. A few hundred years of oral tradition. But they were pretty good at oral tradition in those days. So, these are the, uh, you know, today Deborah was talking about emotions and, and how to work with them, being aware of them as they are, feeling them in the body, letting them be yeah, you know, aware with, right? letting them come and go, not interfering not, and not building an identity out of it. Or if you're building an ed- identity out of it, watch yourself build an identity, watch it arise and then watch it collapse, which it will. It's very useful to see the endings of things, and you realize, oh, they end. We often miss this. So these are the Buddha's instructions in the discourse on the four establishments of mindfulness, which is the discourse in the traditional teachings out of which this practice comes, really. In case you were thinking you had to uh, attain something, this is his instructions on how to practice. I read this a lot because it's worth it. How does a bhikkhu, which means a monk or a practitioner, it could be you in this case, how does a bhikkhu abide contemplating mind as mind? Here a bhikkhu understands mind affected by lust as mind affected by lust, and mind unaffected by lust as mind unaffected by lust. She understands mind affected by hate as a mind affected by hate and mind unaffected by hate as mind unaffected by hate. He understands mind affected by delusion as mind affected by delusion and mind unaffected by delusion as mind unaffected by delusion. She understands contracted mind as contracted mind and distracted mind as distracted mind. He understands exalted mind as exalted mind and unexalted mind as unexalted mind. She understands surpassed mind as surpassed mind and unsurpassed mind as unsurpassed mind. He understands concentrated mind as concentrated mind and unconcentrated mind as unconcentrated mind. She understands liberated mind as liberated mind and unliberated mind as unliberated mind. Hmm. So. The Buddha's not saying, it's interesting, he's not saying get concentrated. He's not saying get exalted mind. Get rid of your unexalted mind. He's not saying that. He's saying when the mind is filled with lust, no. the mind is, not know it intellectually. We all are good at that. That doesn't do much good. Know it, be with it. What is a mind affected by lust? And to feel it in your body. That's very useful to be able to do. Feel that wanting, that desire. Feel it in your body, feel it in your heart, feel it in your mind, notice your mind. Present with it, breathing with it, relaxing around it. So you learn how to be with this state in a non-problematic way, oh. But you're not trying to get rid of it, you're being with it. When it's not there, notice when it's not there, yeah? When your Buddha's not saying, loving kindness, you should be loving, have loving kindness all the time. He's saying, when the mind is filled with hate, know that this is what the mind filled with hate is like. There's a difference between having a mind knowing a mind filled with hate and just having a mind filled with hate. What's the difference? When I'm not present with it, I act it out. Right? Then I just we're familiar with that. How do we learn how to be present with these intense mind states? It's a practice. It's not something you should be able to do. This is what we're practicing. How do I be with fear? That's a very useful thing. If you can be with fear and not be afraid of it, that is an unshakable confidence. Think of how much fear is present, underlying fear. So we practice that. When fear arises, and this is like a shift that happens over time as we practice. you know, At first we're like, I don't want to feel fear or hate or lust, I just want to feel peace and joy and all these things. But as we kind of get mature in the practice, like when fear arises, it's more like, okay. yeah, Let's practice with this. This is the, like Deborah was talking, this is the kind of warrior dimension of it. This develops an incredible confidence, self-confidence. Ooh, did we say the word self here? Yeah, I did. Even in a Buddhist place, I said (laughs) self-confidence. Self-confidence in your capacity to be with experience. And sometimes the deeper we go, the stronger and scarier the fear can be. And that's, you know, uh, that's good. It's like we're increasing our capacity to be with experience without having to run away, without having to freak out. You know, We do it slowly, we, you don't have to be with your deepest fear right away. You can titrate, we've been talking about all this, you know, be with it a little, move away from it, be with it at a distance, there's always to work with it. But this is the direction. Yeah. When the mind is distracted, how do you be with a distracted mind in a peaceful way? That's what we're practicing. How can we be present with a distracted mind like I was talking about the other day? It's paradoxical. But it's the nature of awareness that allows this to happen. It's the nature of awareness that allows there to be peace within chaos. The mind can be totally chaotic. I actually remember this from a, a particular retreat I was on. Uh, and I was struggling. The mind was not, it was like everything was chaotic. I couldn't even land on any objects like in a way that, like really see things in a way. It felt like total chaos. I remember struggling and struggling to like find something to pay attention to, like oh, oh, working so hard. And at some point this uh, voice arose and said, this is total chaos. And then there was, Something let go, and there's total chaos still, and there was no struggle. Because the struggle is trying to make it ordered. You feel that? As I just trying? oh, this is total chaos. Same with confusion, I was like, oh, this is confusion. We're always trying to get, it's like our conditioning, as I was talking about earlier, to try to get to some special state. It's very common uh, misunderstanding about meditative practice that our our goal is to get to some state, to attain something. A state or an experience, that that is the goal. But all experiences and all states happen in time, and so they arise and they pass. You will not attain a state and hold it. It's not the nature of things. What we are cultivating here is not a state, even though you will experience many states. Some states you like, some states you don't like. What we're cultivating, and this is implicit in what the the Buddha's instructions there, what we're cultivating is awareness. Actually, we're not even cultivating awareness because awareness is already here. We're familiarizing ourselves and settling into our inherent presence, which is already here. This presence is awareness, our awareness, your awareness. And this is something that underlies all experience. What is the common factor in all your experiences? It's awareness, right? This room is appearing because of you. I mean, it's appearing to you because of your awareness. It's all arising in your awareness. Is this not true? The, you're seeing it. As we, practice this thing of being with just the condition of the moment, as we work in this way, just this kind of uh, strangely different kind of work, which is to just, how do I be here with this the way it is right now? As we do this with all this variety of states, we stop pushing and pulling so much, and the mind, when we're not trying to get somewhere else, interestingly, the mind becomes very steady. We always think the mind will get steady when I get to steadiness. But the way the mind gets steady is by being with what's here. It's when we are willing to attend to this moment. Actually, there are no moments. That's a misnomer, actually. Nobody's ever been able to show me a moment. But it's just this. This. As we give up that building and escaping tendency so much and we start to be here and trust our capacity to be with because we're practicing it. Oh, I can be with these sensations. Yeah? Be with emotions. Be, the mind starts to get very steady because it's not always going boop, 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 trying to get somewhere. It becomes very steady and still. And then this quality of awareness itself starts to stand out becomes vivid. It's not a thing you can't point to it, you can't find it, and yet it is implicit in everything. It is here. It is in uh, the underlying dimension of experience, all experience, and the aware as we were talked about, and awareness. This awareness is not. As we said, the awareness of fear is not afraid. The awareness of anger is not angry. The awareness of chaos is not chaotic. The awareness of movement is not moving. But awareness of isn't even quite the right language. It's too dualistic. Awareness is, right? Uh, It's hard to even do a correct gesture this starts to stand out, and that's the underlying peaceful dimension. It's not, it's not somewhere in the future. It's not some state. It is here. And the way we arrive at it is by being here. Arrive at it's not the right language. The way we, uh, You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, right here. Uh, uh, there's this great um, uh, Chan uh, master uh, from the 9th century. I, I can't pronounce his Chinese name. Uh, I've seen it written in English characters, so I don't want to butcher it. Uh, the Japanese call him Joshu. And uh, anyway, I won't try to pronounce the Chinese. I, would lo- I will look into it. And I wasn't planning on saying this, so I didn't prepare. I, was, <laughs> I don't know if I was planning on saying any of this, but it's coming out. So, uh, but he was a, a great kind of, a, they used to call it lip dharma. You know, like uh, dharma combat which is like questions and answers, you know. He was very, uh, and that's the way they used to test each other's understanding in those days. Like, you ask somebody a question, see how they respond, like a difficult question, a paradoxical question, you kind of go back and forth. There's some great recorded dialogues like that. But he, this guy had some, they used to say his lips emanated light. He had some really great sayings. And, uh, one of them was somebody asked him, What are the depths of the deep? And he said, What depths of the deep would you like me to talk about? The seven of seven or the eight of eight? <laughs> You feel that? Seven of seven, eight of eight. You get it, right? Yeah. That's the same thing as the... I won't explain it. You can chew on that. That's what you're supposed to do anyway. (laughs) Reflect on it. What does that mean? The depths of the deep. Seven of seven, eight of eight. Or when somebody said to him, what about when... It's hard to ascend to the highest peak. This relates to what we're talking about. He said, "I am not on a high peak." <laughs> 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 uh. Um Okay. You know what to do. Let's sit for a few moments. A man asked Joshua what are the depths of the deep? What depths of the deep would you like me to talk about? The seven of seven or the eight of eight? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmasedorg slash donate.